Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Show. I'm your host, Jeremy Thake. The only show focused on Office 365 development, where I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. Okay, welcome to episode 36. Um, it's been quite a busy week on the blogosphere. We've had quite a few different stories come out this week on a variety of different things. And one thing I wanted to point out was uh, Mordek Mastercars has been putting together again a bunch of content on the Office Graph. And he's actually submitted a new app to the store where you can go and see and add a SharePoint web part to any team site. And essentially it shows you what's trending in that site based on the Office Graph capabilities. Um, so you can go and kind of grab that from the store and see exactly what that's doing. And again, you know, we, we are trying to highlight the issue of, or the concern that people have that the Delve is the same as the Office Graph. Delve is a, a product that we ship with the Office 365 service, just leverages that Office Graph. But there are many ways that you can um, leverage it. And obviously with this app in the store now, it's just highlighting another way that you can surface Office Graph information within the context of the Office 365 platform. In addition to that, we have been doing a ton of work around the API sandbox and I think I mentioned on last week's show that we now have C Sharp support directly into it. So if you haven't checked that out yet, the link's in the show notes. Um, and what you'll notice is, is that you can actually vote up other languages like Ruby, PHP, Python, so that we can get some more samples there from those other platforms when it comes to calling those Office 365 APIs like the mail, calendar and contacts, files, and sites APIs that we have available right now. Richard Rosiger has also been very, very busy. He's actually published a blog post on uh, Richard Zariga has done another blog post on the Power BI APIs and how you can use those to build applications. And he's put together a YouTube video, uh, which is quite short, it's like 10 to 15 minutes. So if you're interested in Power BI and how you connect to that, definitely worth going over to Richard's blog and checking that out. And then we've actually introduced two new people to the Office 365 dev team, um, PMP core. And so you can go and check out Radia Tasanov and Paolo Pizzari's information where they've been making some great contributions to that Office Graph. So definitely go and check that out. And then lastly, um, Andrew Connell has been pushing out some really big stuff for us too. He um, he's actually built a whole Pluralsight course on the Office 365 API. So as well as all the content that we go and get put together on dev.office.com slash training, if you're already a Pluralsight subscriber, you'll be able to grab those links and, um, and view all that content there. And I've had to listen to them. And it, it's good to kind of get another perspective on these APIs and how you can use those things in your own projects. So, um, yeah, again, great to go and check out that content. And there's some also some amazing other content on the Pluralsight show too. And then also, um, Andrew again uh, does a Microsoft Cloud show with Chris Johnson, who's my boss. Um, you'll hear me call CJ on the show. Um, and they actually got Chris O'Brien, who's an MVP based in the UK, who's really kind of focused on Office 365 development. I've mentioned him quite a lot in the show with the blogging he does. And um, they had him on there to interview him about what he's up to. And it was a great show, so I'd highly recommend checking out that show and, and some of the other episodes that they publish on a, a weekly basis, much like this show too. So with that, I've um, got a great episode here with Matthias. He's talking about the Office 365 APIs and their motivations between the having a service app um, inside of the context of mail calendar contacts sitting on Exchange Online. Um, Matthias has been at the company for a long, long time and um, it was great to get down and chat with him and um, hear what he's been up to in the last few years at Microsoft. So enjoy the show and we'll speak to you next week. Okay, so I'm here in Building 32 today with Matthias Leibman. We, um, 
kind of came up on my radar when he posted about the um, the building daemon or, or service apps with Office 365 APIs, specifically around Exchange. So um, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. The um, So we're in building 32, so that's all Exchange people, or is there a bit of a mix in here? Yeah, it's uh, mainly Exchange people, right? Yeah. I mean, well... We have uh, we have now Outlook on board too, right? So there was some recent move and yeah. reshuffling of people again. So we have now uh, part of the client team, right, and uh, part of the server team in the same building, which makes it pretty nice. Yeah, because you guys work so closely together. Anyway. Yeah, de definitely worked very close together, right? I mean, our team worked very close uh, together with the with the desktop Outlook team to enable the OAuth protocol. Right, or to integrate the OAuth protocol into the into the Outlook client and on our and then of course on the API services that Outlook needs. Yeah, yeah. Right to talk to. And we've had Andrew Salamatov on the show, who obviously is in this building as well. Oh so yeah, absolutely. We've talked and about the Outlook apps yeah. and um, different bits and pieces. Yeah, Andrew just sits three office down the hallway. Yeah. He's, we are in the same team. Uh, he's a colleague of mine, so we meet regularly. So, and how long have you worked in Microsoft for? Oh well, I guess I'm I'm an oldie, a Microsoft oldie, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't feel so old. So I'm uh, 19 years now. Wow, Microsoft, 19. 19. That's my 20th year. So this uh, uh, this uh, September, 20 years of Microsoft. So uh, that's that's quite a while, I guess. And yeah. and have you always worked in and around kind of exchange, or have you been in other areas as well? Well, I mean, I actually always worked uh, more around identity management and uh, security authentication authorization around this. Um, so. Um, actually, one of my first encounters when I started working at Microsoft was with Exchange. I actually was a technology specialist in Germany. Oh, right. right? Okay. So I started in 95 uh, working for Microsoft uh, yeah, as a, in, in Germany back then. And um, so I did some customer engagements there. And yeah. uh, around that time, Exchange 4 came came right. out, right? So I went with my box of Exchange for Office to, to many, <laughs> many customers and helped them install and deploy it yeah. back uh, back in the fatherland. <laughs> so, and then 98, I came over All right. to to the US, working as a program manager yeah. in, in various teams. But I I'm primarily was focused uh, then on, uh, on Active Directory, identity yeah. management. I briefly afterwards I joined the actually the Active Directory team and worked on Microsoft Identity Integration Server back then, which is kind of a meta directory service. This is where it started. Right. 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 So some people might know this uh, probably developer audience not not so much, but it's uh, some it's a, it was a really fun project to work on, so I'm also very happy and proud of. And then I somehow went to Windows security, worked on uh, in Windows on some security aspects there, things like claim-based access controls, putting this into Windows. And um, around 2007, I think, I went to the Exchange team. Yeah. Uh, originally changed completely my job, what I was doing, and worked on calendaring. So did some functionalities, added some new functionalities on, on our calendaring services. Before then, I started going back to my more identity focus in terms of making things work, like that you can do cross-organization sharing of your calendars right, uh, right. and uh, cross-organization freebie sharing. 
or access. And then I went into the app ecosystem team about uh, three years later to work on authentication on our API services. Right, right. Right, and, uh, and then we, uh, over the course of the past couple of years, right, we integrated the new OAuth protocol, right, and all the different APIs so that we have in exchange. So full circle with the authentication. Yeah, yeah, yeah I always somehow went, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, got back to that space, yeah. right, of, uh, of identity and authentications, authorizations. So, right. so you've been involved from like kind of the uh, exchange web services or AWS. That's right. As that's well right. as like mm -hmm. kind of the new endpoints that we've released in yeah. the Office 365 service. Yeah, that's that's right. Well, this is when I started in the app ecosystem team. Well, it was primarily focused on uh, on the AWS service. There, I did uh, I did some extensions to the API, some new functionalities. Right, I worked on auto discovery too. Right, uh, it's a very beloved protocol. The one we all scream at when we add our accounts to Outlook. <laughs> this is why I always hard code our APIs <laughs> in my samples. So if you see samples of me, I'm I'm a bad citizen about following our own protocol. Yeah, the own discovery <laughs> services and stuff. Yeah, that's right. And, and yeah. so um, with, with the evolution of the APIs now, with them being kind of more ODAT 4 focused and mm -hmm. um, the OAuth 2 kind of practice with the Azure AD auth yeah, side, yeah. what's the the main motivation there and what, what direction will we see? Like we've released quite a few endpoints already, but there are more coming, right? Well, yes, how we started out was, right, um, we, we, we knew we would need to modernize the authentication protocol in our, in our rich Outlook client, right, to provide two single sign-on across uh, the different uh, desktop Outlook apps, right, and uh, it soon turned out that uh, a new modern protocol based on OAuth would help us doing so. Right, and get us away from having to implement authentication a specific right, protocol in the client itself, but leave yeah. it right to the experts right. Right, that, that anyways know about how a protocol should work right, and make the and with the idea of having them or having the server drive the authentication, right, which is led down to the route of an OAuth-based protocol. Um, so this is where we started out, right? That was our primary focus even before we worked on the REST APIs. Mm -hmm. Right, so meaning the, the mappy HTTP endpoints right, that Outlook uses, right, or the Discover, right, or EWS, what we mentioned before, right, were all protocols right, that required us to enable right, these new protocols or the, the new OAuth scheme on top of those. Right? Um, and then, right, uh, I mean, as, as we all know, right, we wanted to have uh, to work on having a much better and broader app ecosystem, right, based on new modern APIs, right, that everybody can easily program against, right, and uh, easy to understand, right, for the developer community. And the OAuth protocol is just a key part of that, right, of making it really simple, right, everybody basically knows these days, right, how to do OAuth against other services like Facebook, like Google, right? So this was almost a natural choice, right, in terms of, yes, we want to do the same, right, for our APIs. Mm -hmm. And this not only for for Exchange, also for OneDrive, right. right, and all other Office 365 services that might come along. Yeah. Right. 
So this is where our work started very extensively about two, two and a half years ago with the, with the Asia Active Directory team right, to define right, what it means to provide an OAuth-based protocol for office services. Yeah, yeah. Right. And which basically led about uh, to, to the first release uh, of, of this with uh, about yeah, last year with the SharePoint conference, I, I believe that was what we announced, right? The right. new REST APIs. In preview, right? yeah. And in preview, right, uh, that supported the OAuth protocol. Back then, uh, it was mainly around the standard code flow, right, to build device applications and to build web applications. But there are many more types of applications that we wanted to go after, right, and see how can we support them to have some better auth story, right, into our APIs. Which then leads to more and more improvements, right, or more and more things that we like to do, right, or that we light up, right. One of the things was the uh, the client credential flow, right, that yeah. we are talking about today, right, which basically allows an application <clears throat> to assert its own identity to an API. Right, uh, meaning we sometimes call it also up only, right? Because there is no user context in the picture. Right? right, it's truly the application that wants to talk to our APIs, right, as a service. Right, in the past, right, it was always somehow associated to hey, we I need to have a service account, right, to do background work. Yeah, yeah. Right, against many many different resources. Right, in the exchange world, our resource is a mailbox that we need to protect. Right, and uh, there are lots of classes of applications out there, right, that want to to access all the mailboxes in in an organization to do certain work, as a line of business application, for example. Yeah. Right. Or like calendaring. Uh, so, or yeah, like calendaring or... is a very good example, right? There are lots of uh, uh, CRM applications out there, right, that basically wants to synchronize, right, uh, calendar schedules and events. Right, to somehow make them work right in an organization, right. So these kind of kind of kind of patterns, right, that people wanted to implement, right, and needed to have some more support from an authentication point of view, right, uh, to to accomplish that. Yeah, mm. and and so you know, for people that have seen the what we made Genu available in the APIs right now across the board, we really talk about mail, calendar, contacts when it comes to Exchange Online. And the way that we're accessing those endpoints is really about me. So when I access them, I'm either in a mobile device application mm -hmm. or a, a web application. I'm calling those APIs. And when I go to the inbox URL or the uh, calendar or the contacts, it's returning my, my contacts. Mm -hmm. um, and that's all done by that client consent process of uh, when, when you first call those APIs in that application. With that only, what access does that have? Does it have access to all of the inboxes in the tenant? Or does the user have to consent the app to have ability to go into their inbox? What's mm -hmm. the what's the process there around that? So you can you can think about these type of applications, the applications that are kind of strongly in control of an organization's IT. Right, so it's not the traditional, hey, I'm having a device application as a user and I install it, right? I go through my consent flow. Yeah. Right. And then the application is is allowed to access the resources that the user owns. Right. Yeah. It's truly about, hey, it's about the resources that an organization owns. Right. So this leads down the road, it's probably not very feasible to that any user in an organization 
can consent to this type of applications right, to get resource access to to all the the organization's mailboxes or resources for that matter. Yeah. Right. So we needed to have some kind of a different model, right? That uh, where actually the the for example the IT administrator of an organization is capable of installing an application, right? That then can right do work against the users' mailboxes in right, those right. organization. Right. So so it's it's not an end user kind of experience there. Yeah. But it's more, hey, there's an administrative kind of experience there. Um, in terms of how the experience looks like right, to, to, to acquire or get such an application, right, it's actually quite pretty similar to, 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 to a device app or web app experience. Yeah. Right? Um, so in terms, uh, so there still is consent in the picture yeah. right, for the permissions that uh, the, the, the service or daemon app wants. Right, so an administrator that is familiar with the user side, how user consent looks like, right. they probably find himself very comfortable seeing, hey, here's an application who wants to uh, to work in your org, right, and, and access all these mailboxes with these permissions. Right? Okay, so they go, like, when they're doing the user consent, on they go through mm -hmm. either Visual Studio and Ad Connected Service, um, or they go directly into the Azure Management Portal, create the application, inside their Azure AD instance? So there are a bunch of ways how, the, how this can be actually done. That's actually a good, uh, a good topic to talk a little bit more about. Right. So unfortunately, right, uh, the, right now, the, there is no Visual Studio tooling for, for this mode. For right. So if you go into the connect for the application permissions. Yeah. Right, because they're really a different kind of set of permissions. Right. So when we talk about user, it's about hey the user delegates permission to the application, yeah. right? For to do work right on, on, on his behalf or her behalf. Right. And we also talk sometimes uh, of those permissions as delegated permissions. So for for the app only work um, or the client credential flow, we have a complete different set of permissions, which we call sometimes direct permissions or also application permissions. Okay. Right. So indeed, when you actually configure your application in the Azure portal uh, and you select, hey, you want to access Exchange, and you configure your client application on your client ID there, there are two kinds of uh, permissions you can choose from. This is one of the delegated permissions yeah. and one of the application permissions. Yeah. Right. And the delegation permissions apply to what you mentioned first. Hey, I want to build a device app. I want to build a web server app where the end user consents to access their resources. The application permissions are completely separate of that. Right. Okay. So they are they're, they're orthogonal to whatever delegated permissions you actually choose. Right. And they're not right. specific to a user. And they are not specific to user. They are never bound to, to any kind of user. Right. right? Uh, so, so this is where it starts. You need to configure your client ID for this, right? And uh, and now comes the question: How can you actually install this application, right? So, if you build some kind of a multi-tenant application, right, meaning you want to basically build an application that you want to make want to make available as a service to your organization, right? So, a typical example is. I want to get uh, into the mailbox uh, migration business, right? Yeah. Or one example, right? So I build, uh, I have uh, a service in the cloud, right? That helps you migrating mailboxes, right? So the, uh, organizations can come to my website and say, hey, I want to sign up for, for my mailbox migration, right? 
And uh, then you could have an experience, or this uh, this website could build an experience and say, hey, right, uh, organization, you can kind of sign up here, and uh, please, uh, and if you want to migrate into Office 65, right, here is what you have to consent to. Right? And then it needs to be an administrator that actually selects to consent to the access to Office 65, right. sees the application permissions that the application requested or is yeah. configured for right, in Asia AD, and says, hey, I'm allowing this application to have these permissions. Right? And with this, the application in the web application is uh, basically gets the, gets the permission. Right, to go to Asia AD and get an access token to represent itself as a migration application to the tenant that consented right. Right, to this and work against all the mailboxes in this organization okay. in Office 65. And, right, so, and then this experience or this flow right, is very, very similar to what you would do in a, in a normal code flow right. Right, when you build a web app uh, that, uh, for, for users, for example. Yeah, it's a common question you get is like, you know, if I'm either wanting to go through the store or I want to go through just like a service like you're saying, mm -hmm. just running in a website, is that you, your Azure Active Directory application, there's just a toggle that allows it to go from being just for your tenant to being for multiple tenants? That's, that's correct, right? Yeah. I mean, if I'm, I'm, well, that's the concept of, hey, we, we have this concept of, hey, you can build an application only for your organization, yeah. or you build an application that you also want to make available for other organizations. Right, right. right? Which is probably more what people are interested in, right? Yeah. Building applications and makes them available for everybody in Office 65. Right, so right now that is a switch that you have to set together with your client registration. This doesn't prevent you to go the other route. Right, the model works completely the same. Uh, if you want to build an only an, an application for one tenant, right, meaning you are an IT department, right, working for an organization, and you want to build uh, using this model, right, uh, some kind of service for your organization. And you would go through some of the similar steps, right? Uh, probably register your application in your organization's Active Directory tenant. Yeah. Now the key difference there is as you installed or registered this application in your organization's tenant that you also want to access resources to, the, 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 the act of registering or creating this and applying the permissions right, in the same tenant where the resources live you do not have to build kind of a sign-up experience right, for other organizations. Right, because it's like implied consent. Because, yeah, because somebody with enough administrative powers in the organization had to create this, this client ID or this application yeah. right, in their tenancy, which typically is an, which is an administrator. And, and if an, right. an administrator goes into their Azure management portal for their Active Directory instance that's tied to Office 365, mm -hmm. they will be able to see all of the applications that have been consented or that have been registered by maybe, you know, as you said, like a particular division within their organization might have registered mm -hmm. a a, uh, an application that's doing a, a service running mm -hmm. somewhere, they can revoke those things or see what permissions the application is asking for right from that interface, can't they? Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, in terms of management, it's pretty, pretty similar to user-based applications. Right, probably the main difference there, you cannot go to the to the uh, to the app portal in Office 65, for example, and see these kind of applications and can revoke from there as their organizational okay. apps. Right, or you cannot go to myapps.microsoft.com and see them listed there. 
these types of applications, you actually go to the Asia portal yeah. right, and see what applications are available in my organization and you will find them there. Right, and from there you can manage them and see the permissions right, or revoke them. Okay. Right. And then when it, from a development perspective, if I'm acquiring these tokens, is it a very similar code flow to the same as what you would do if you were grabbing a delegated um, permission, like for a user? Like, is it the same kind of hop, skip, and jump? Well, if you build, um, starting if you if you build a multi-tenant app and you 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 need to build this kind of sign-up experience, right, where another organization can sign up for you for your organization, that's exactly the same like you would do in the code flow. Okay. Right. Meaning you hit the authorized endpoint of AED with your client ID, right, and other information that is necessary, right, and you basically get a get a code back. Right. So the main difference there is that you do not have to do anything with this code. Yeah. Right. Because you don't want to do a code flow and request a ticket or a delegation for a user. Right. So, but you still, it was a, you needed to do the sign up to authorize this application to work with this application permissions. So this is why this step is required. Right. And then there's a kind of a different kind of payload, if you want to say it this way that you need to, to present to the token issuing endpoint. Right. right. So even in the code flow, right, so your next step is, hey, you redeem the code, you go to the token end, uh, issuing endpoint, say, here's my code, right, give me back my refresh and my access token. Yeah. Right. So in the up-only example, right, uh, you don't go back with the code, right, you build kind of a different payload when you go to the token uh, issuing endpoint, yeah. which is called a client assertion. Right. A client assertion is basically a, a self-signed uh, JSON web token. Right. Okay. It is signed by the, the private key of your application. Right. Right. To basically authenticate to AAD as your application. Yeah. Right. AAD has a public part of your key. Right. And can verify this client assertion and say, hey, that's really this application. Right. And yes, this application just got installed because it was authorized in the first step and then gives you back the access token. Okay. So there is no refresh token in this picture. Is you play an authenticator to the token issuing endpoint and you get back an access token. The access token itself has some of the same semantics or characteristics that you know from the from the code Delegate. flow, from yeah. the delegation flows. So yeah. It's valid for one hour, right? After one hour, you go back to the token issuing endpoint with your with your client assertion, right, and get back a fresh access token. So, in in the Azure Management Portal, when you're creating the application, whereabouts do you put in that public certificate? Is there because there's nothing in the there's no buttons in the UI. Is another man, like customization to the manifest? That's that's correct. That's uh, unfortunately there is no kind of first class experience right now with yeah. the client uh, registration that would allow you to easily uh, drag and drop right a public a public key right yeah. uh, into into the UI right. You have to work through the manifest there. Right, which uh, I try to explain the steps, what you have to do in my blog. Yeah, it's very clear right, in, as, in terms of what um, you're doing there. So hopefully, hopefully that is not too much of a hurdle. No. Right, one of the things we, of course, want to do to make this kind of more of a first-party experience, so working together with our partners right, in AAD, yeah. uh, to improve this, uh, this, uh, the, the portal and the experience right, to, 
to make this more seamless. And and in the your instructions, you're saying there's a it, you can create a self-issued certificate just using the make certs or yeah. so there's no mandatory requirement that you need like a an official public cert from like a provider mm -hmm. like GoDaddy or anything mm -hmm. like that. It can mm -hmm. be just something you generate. Yes, this can be exactly like okay. there is no requirement of of any uh, CAs uh, or. Uh, in that regards, right? The only requirement is the key length, right? Uh, it needs to have a certain key length, which is a minimum of 2048. And then any self-signed uh, will do. Okay. Right? And from your perspective, what was the main, I mean, obviously you mentioned the male kind of migration. What other scenarios do you see that were, were driving this requirement to be mm -hmm. um, in there from an app-only approach? Mm -hmm. Like what other kind of scenarios do you see that are kind of key for this? Mm -hmm. Well, all of these kind of scenarios somehow key around right, the ability to do kind of synchronization tasks in the background, right? meaning you maintain the applications maintaining some kind of their own state right, yeah. in their own database, right? which typically the classes of CRM applications, for example, do. Right? They want to get access to the tasks, right? to, some, to messages, right? work in the background. Right, workflow uh, kind of applications are another good example. Right, that want to pick up on doing certain actions. Right, when uh, in, in certain steps uh, in a workflow. Right, uh, to access a user's mailbox in the background to inform them of what's next. Right, or put stuff uh, again on the calendar. Right, regards reminders, for example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then um, with regards to that, when it comes to this, if you deployed an, like an app for Office into the store, could you use this flow from within your, say if you built an app for Outlook, could you mm -hmm. use that same flow then to, to access their tenant? It would require, an, I'm guessing from what you're saying, an admin to yeah, yeah. consent it the first time you use that mm -hmm. call back to their, yeah. to the Azure AD from the ISV. Well, you... You probably, if you, if you're talking about apps for Outlook and integration, um, yeah. you can probably make it some somewhat work. I mean, yeah. I, I haven't done it. Uh, yeah. And I'm trying to envision how the flow would there be, right? It's would probably because this application, okay, if you make this application only installable by the administrator, yeah. right, which you can do with, with mail apps, right, um, in the store, then, you can probably build an experience like that, right? And see, hey, right, um, sign up for this this organization. I would probably say that would be probably not be the typical scenario right. how you would go about it in terms of thinking about it as a mail app. Because it is quite right. powerful in the sense that it's it's everything, right? If I give my yeah. application permissions to the everybody's inboxes, that mm -hmm. is quite a, you know, it's it essentially God mode into that tenant. It, it, it is essentially, this is why it requires an administrator yeah. right, of the organization to say, hey, I really want to allow this application right, in my org. Yeah. Right? And this is why you probably don't want to intermingle that with something that is typically more end-user focused yes. yeah, right. Right? and user-focused user right? yeah. and probably want to think a little bit more carefully where you put kind of this kind of sign-up experience. Yeah. Where exactly you would put this um, I probably don't have a good answer right now. I know, and are there any um, visions to constrain so that it's not kind of all? So maybe the administrator wants to allow this application access to a selection of mailboxes? That would be a nice feature, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm adding more to your backlog right now. It is in my backlog. Oh, it is already. It is for quite some while in my backlog. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely something that we want to solve, the yeah. problem, that I have some kind of a, a, a capability as an administrator to say, hey, I allowed this application in my org, but I only want to work it uh, against a set of mailboxes. Yeah. Uh, that is a typical scenario, right? That's probably very natural and very logical, right? That uh, we want to do, right? Um, it's a matter of timing and, and resourcing, like always. I want to look into that more probably around the summer time frame. Sure. Right? So if people want to know regards where this might fall, into lighting up, right? There's not a lot I can say other than... Sure, right, yeah. Um, I mean, once we get closer, we, we typically add it to the roadmap.office.com and... I would envision, yeah. right, this, this is not something that's very exchange-specific then too, right? Like I, right. like the app only itself, right? It's not exchange-specific, right? right? I mean, uh, the files API will follow soon after. It just yep. happened that we were first, You, right? you, you beat the files, and, guys. <laughs> 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 I, I do understand there's a little bit of competition between the two teams. I, I know you might not admit it, but... Well, I'm, I'm refusing my, my answer on that one. No, it's good. We, we like a little bit of competition. Exactly. I think so, too. Have the competition. Yeah, that's right. Keep, keeps you guys yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. fast on this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, we probably also had a lot of uh, more kind of feedback, right, uh, about the type of application, right? In the past, we, we had many, many ISVs building these kind of types of apps, right, against EWS, right? We had the concept, right, when we, intro when we introduced uh, the Exchange Web Services, right, we had the concept of a user impersonation, right, which was very specific to Exchange, sometimes also called up impersonation, which basically allowed to you to... Uh, to create a service account, right, give credentials to the app in forms of a username and password, right, and then work, right, against all the mailboxes in your organization, right. So then we probably have kind of a longer history of these kind of applications that people want to build against mailboxes, right. So that said, I think in the past, in the next couple of weeks as we talk, right, yeah. it probably will light up for the files API too. Cool. And um, in terms of like the, the the future with Exchange, with the APIs, like we get a lot of questions around, you know, is this what we're doing? You know, the, the calendar contacts and, uh, mm -hmm. and mail, but there is envisionment there'll be more that we, we introduce. The, the main question, I guess, is coming from, there are still scenarios where we have to use EWS because you can't do them currently with uh, the new endpoints. So I guess, you, you know, it is an obvious statement to make, but mm -hmm. there is that desire that you're going to fill those gaps mm -hmm. in the new endpoints over time. Yeah. There's definitely the desire, right? EWS is a mature programming surface, right, that grew over the over many years now, yeah. right? And it's always hard when you come up with a new API, right, to to immediately match the functionality that uh, that an API exposed that is around for a while, right? And yes, my colleagues working on the APIs are working very, very hard on filling these gaps, right? seeing what's needed the most, right? and where does it make most sense to model this in the REST API. Right? One of the things we also do not want to do right, is necessarily copy everything right, from what 
what we did in EWS exactly the same way in REST, right? We try to improve on that, right? And see, right, how can we make it more better, more natural, right? More restful for that matter. Yeah. Right. Uh, in in the in this new surface, right? And this might take a little bit more of time of time. Right, but uh, the, that's definitely there's major investments, right, uh, that we have on making sure that if there are gaps, right, that we will address them right, regularly in frequent. And then where we have this app-only approach now, like, the, is there a scenario where there have been API endpoints that made sense for delegated users, but there'd be API points that wouldn't make sense for a user to be able to do like management type things for Exchange Online. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So is that where you would have endpoints that are more management-like that the mm -hmm. app-only token would use? Yeah, that's correct. Right, right, right now, the REST APIs are primarily focused on user types of applications, yeah. right? building mail, calendar, kind of these applications. Right. One of the things that we, we are looking at, right, how we can expose functionality in some kind of restful way that allows you the management aspect, yeah. right? So uh, that's something we started working on or when exactly right, this will will come, right? That is, uh, is part of the roadmap, cool. right? And uh, hopefully soon we will see these kind of capabilities, right, in some restful they exposed in yeah. our APIs. And it's been great. There's been a lot of contributions on our user voice channel where people have been providing that feedback. I yeah. think the app only was actually one of the things that was in that user voice that mm -hmm. um, triggered like this discussion yeah. internally already. So I guess for people listening, if there are things that they feel like they need for their applications, I'd highly encourage you to go on the user voice site, which I'll put in the show notes um, to make sure that you can kind of give these guys the feedback they need on what you think is important and the voting really helps to kind of distinguish that as well. Um, I guess the other thing while you're here is just to say thank you. Um, mm -hmm. You're oh, just engaging with all the questions and answers that we get, whether it's on Yammer or um, whether it's via email or the blogs mm -hmm. and stuff. I really appreciate you kind of helping yeah. the community out as they have these questions because um, <laughs> sure as hell, I don't know all the answers and um, it's great to be able to come to you guys and get the, the answers yeah. on some of these complex scenarios. Well, I, I try to be to be up to date on that. Sometimes it's very hard right, yeah. uh, to do this. And, and there are also lots of forums and sometimes it's it's really not easy to keep track in all of them, right? But I, if I get uh, to attention of, of the one or the other issues, I always try to answer yeah, right, no, and find out what's going on. And I, that's, that's something I'm really committed to. So if you see something that I do not see, right, yeah. and uh, and you feel I have, I should answer to that, I always appreciate a ping. Yeah, right? yeah. Hey, there's something, right? And my colleagues do that too, right? Yeah. And I do this to my colleagues. Yeah. Have you seen this, right? And this way, right, it becomes a really kind of um, organic, fluid, kind of fun experience too. It's always interesting to see other people's like perceptions on or the way they look at things. Like we mm -hmm. we spin things exactly. up in here and exactly. we have a certain scenario of why we're building it and then someone will come really left field and be like, Well, we want to do it this way and you're like, That's oh. actually a really good that's a good idea. Oh, absolutely. There are yeah. some very, very good eye openers in some yeah. of these, these comments. I, I love it, right? It makes you think, Oh, okay, right. It's actually quite different how people think about this. Right? Yeah. And how can we make it better so that it fits more this model, right? Versus probably what we thought right originally. Right? Yeah. 
Well, um, thanks very, very cool. much for your time. I'm really thanks. excited to see what people do with this app-only approach. Me too. It's me definitely too. something that uh, the ISVs have been asking for for mm -hmm. a while. Enjoy your 20-year crystal when it turns up. <laughs> <laughs> I hear they come in quite big, oh, impressive yeah. boxes as I well. I think you need a crane yeah, yeah. to lift that thing. So, um, <laughs> I mean, you've got plenty of mantel, mantelpiece space there to show it off with pride. Maybe not put it directly in the window, because if the sun shines through, it might burn the carpet or something. <laughs> you get the whole prism effect. Oh, yeah. I'm afraid that might happen. <laughs> All right, well, enjoy your weekend, and um, we'll definitely okay. get you on the show uh, later in the year to talk about some of the other stuff that you've been shipping as well. Okay, thank you, Jeremy. It was my pleasure to talk about this, and I'm... I'm really looking forward to to get lots of feedback uh, on, for that matter, any aspect of uh, authenticating to our APIs, how easy it is, how hard it is, what we should improve. Right, so that really helps my job too, right, to see right, what do we have to do next to prioritize yeah. right, and think through the various different scenarios right, that people want to wanna build. Cool. Excellent. All right, thanks again. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of your Office 365 developer needs. All the links from the show are in the blog post on blogs.office.com WACDEV, where you can find the latest news about Office 365. If you have any ideas for new shows or questions for us, please join us in our Yammer group in the Office 365 technical network. Have a great week, guys, and keep coding on Office 365.